I'm sorry. I just got upset again. <laughs> it's just frustrating, <laughs> man. Like, it's just so frustrating. Like, why can't we just be fucking civilized human beings? That's all we're asking. Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for tuning in to the committee podcast. I am Love Killer Trey or Dolphus Savage. Uh, with me today, uh, reunited, and it feels so good because we always so good. So good. So good. We have El Charapa. And of course, we have Mr. Marcus Sniffles as well. How's everybody doing this week? Back in the building. This week, what was it? Double uh, XL and interviewed Shaka Khan. And she made some <laughs> pretty outlandish statements about Kanye West. Um, Marcus, do you have the actual quote? Yeah. Um, she said, uh, he called me when he just got out of the hospital. He said, you were so instrumental in my healing process. I changed the words a little bit to the song, but I had to eat through a wire, jaws wired shut to a straw. It meant that much to me. It really got my heart tugged in my string. I was like, yeah, use it. And then when it came out, I was pissed. Khan said after mocking the high pitch hook. It was a little insulting, not insulting. I thought it was stupid. If I'd have known he was going to do that, I would have said, hell no. Mm. Chaka Khan might want to cool down. Okay, now now that I've heard that quote, I kind of understand where she's coming from. Maybe she was just mad about it being sped up and high-pitched. Because the song is a very beautiful song to me, like... That, that's like in my top 20 favorite songs of all time, like easily. So I don't get how you can be mad about that, but yeah. I mean, is she going to give back the royalty checks? Because a lot of people weren't checking for Shaka Khan until Through the Wire came out. Like, obviously, like our parents and people of that age were already on the Shaka Khan, but I mean, people our age, like millennials, we weren't bumping Shaka Khan on the regular. A lot of us. <laughs> heard that sample on through the wire. We're like, oh, who is that? Let me go check it out. Oh, that's Shaka Khan. Oh, I've heard of Shaka Khan. My mom knows who Shaka Khan is. My grandma listens to Shaka Khan. Maybe I'll check out her her other stuff. Like, you know Shaka what? Khan, she might this, want to chill out. This is going to be embarrassing, but I actually thought Shaka Khan was a Roots character. God damn. Like, I thought, what? Was, I thought she was on Roots or something. I thought it was like a, some old Negro spirituals from back in the day. I'm talking about before I heard of her on Through the Wire, I didn't know who Shaka Khan was. Like, Sh- like Through the Wire put me on to who Shaka Khan was. Shaka Khan wasn't really played in the house. Like I said, I thought it was something on like the, the sixth DVD of Roots or something, you know? I didn't know who she was. I mean, and, and that comes, that's, oh, friend, that was, oh, friend. That was one of the, my favorite parts of what Kanye was doing as far as like the sampling thing. Like a lot of people weren't a fan of it, but I mean, Kanye did introduce a lot of people to other artists that we might, that they might not have heard of. Like it's, it's crazy for people like us to say it, but there's some people out there. They'd never heard of Luther Vandross. It, it, they're out there, like mm. like K, KJ. KJ hadn't heard of Luther Van. KJ is like eighteen years old. The only way KJ is going to hear of like a Luther Van mm. is when that song came out. Like KJ was like four, if that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I mean, like, if you want to be relevant, if you still want to be popping, if you still want to get paid, something. You know what I'm saying? If you're an older artist and a younger artist is trying to expose your sound and your music to a younger generation. 
I mean, I'd sign off on it. Like, you might not like the song, but to come out this, like, what, College Dropout came out in 2003, to come out, like, almost 20 years later, saying And that now you're sucks. slandering it? Stop yeah. it. Like, that's that's that, the piece that I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, okay, so you're doing the whole, like, it, it's, it's, it's cool to jump on Kanye thing. That's what you're doing. You're just jumping on the wave. So, like, you... You didn't feel like you could have said this at any moment in time. Like, why are you saying it now? Song came out said it. Didn't he get like a Grammy nom or something from the song? He got, like, a, he got a he got a Grammy for that album. So, so I mean, you get that Grammy too because you're part of the song. You're part of the album. You're you get a writing credit for that. So are you gonna return the Grammy? You gonna return them checks? Like, if not, you might want to just keep it quiet. <laughs> so her opinion and being so blunt. It's not surprising. <laughs> However, I just feel like it's not necessary. Why are we going to do this almost 20 years later? It's like 15, 16 years later or so. And on top of that, if you were that concerned about your craft, if you were that concerned about how it was going to be portrayed and what it was going to sound like, you should have listened to the song before you agreed to it. Like, yeah. see what, see where his mind was and how he was actually going to use that sample. So she's upset because she's mainly what I got out of it was she's upset because it doesn't sound like her. It's her song. Yeah. It doesn't sound like her. But at the end of the day, that's what a sample is. It's not about you. He's not asking you to be featured on the song. He's not asking you to come on, give your vocals on the song. He's asking to use what you've already done to re reinvent it into something that is his style, which is what he did. And that's why he was recognized so much for it. It's a great fucking song. She's just mad because it doesn't sound like her. And at the end of the day, that's your fault. You shouldn't have agreed to allow him to sample it in the first place if you're that concerned about it. So yeah. respectfully, sis, auntie, thank you. But no, thank you. That opinion is not needed. Yeah, especially, like you said, almost 20 years later. And it kind of, um, in a sense, I, I know something's been heating up a little bit is this Nicki Minaj and Tracy Chapman lawsuit. So it kind of reminds me of that, except I know it's a little bit different. Like... Okay, so Nicki Minaj and Nas did a song called Sorry. It was never released, but it was played in some clubs. And now Tracy Chapman, who, once again, I've seen her album cover before. I don't know a single song from her. It's trying to sue Nicki Minaj. And so you have some people that are saying, oh, well, Nicki is wrong for doing the song anyway. And, you know, she wrote out some tweets. She asked, could she do it? It was denied. And, like, I'm really looking. And I guess Tracy Chapman is like, she doesn't like Nicki Minaj's image, I guess, and doesn't want to be mixed in with that. But it's like Tracy Chapman, who are you? Like, I know you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, Go ahead. I I, under, I understand her doing that. Like, if she's on the on the mindset where she's like, "Yo, I don't really, I don't like Nicki Minaj. I don't like the music she does. I don't like, you know, how she, you know, portrays herself from the public. I don't want to. I'm not gonna sign off on her using the sample for my song." If that's the case, I'm I'm totally fine with that because she that's her yeah. right to do that. That's her music. The difference between that and what Shaka Khan is doing is Shaka Khan, you signed off on this. Yeah, she you did. already signed mm -hmm. off on it. Don't come back around the bush talk about you know twenty years later talking about how you don't like the song no more. Like, and if <laughs> if Nicki Minaj is still out there trying to you know make a profit off of that song, then that's that's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? That's following Nicki. Sign off on it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's on Nicki. Like she said, Tracy needs to take it. it as an opportunity to to get her name back out there because nobody's checking for Tracy. Yeah. The same way as Shaka. Nobody's checking for you, Shaka. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if if Tracy wants to, you know, make some money, get a little bit of relevance, then obviously she should sign off on that song because, I mean, Nikki does numbers regardless. But if she's on the mindset of like, well, I don't need that money. Like, if she feels like all money ain't good money, then, I mean, that's on her. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, Shaka Khan signed off on it. And if she didn't listen to it before she signed off on it, I mean, that's on hers. Like, that's on her. Like you need to do mm-hmm. your, you need a better businessman. You need a better manager. You need something. You can't like who's who signs off on something without even listening to it. Like you're making yourself. Yeah. Bad. Especially, it's not like, and I wonder if maybe this is why she did it or what. But it wasn't like Kanye was super relevant. Maybe. Not as yeah, I mean, so to most people, like I didn't know who he was until that song came out. Maybe in the industry, yeah, because he was a producer and such, but. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe she kind of underestimated the song or she thought maybe he needed her and that's why he wanted a sample so that way she sound. So her voice came out uh, literally and figuratively and then it wasn't. So that's why she was upset. Yeah. But I mean, I guess to the point of uh, that both you guys are making, why bring it up all this time later? It really sounds like she's just trying to uh, do like everyone else is and take a dump on Kanye West all of a sudden. Like you said, if, it, if, it, if she really hated the song, return the royalty checks at the end of the day um, and stop acting ratchet. Uh, speaking of ratchet. Speaking of ratchet. There have been some videos going around Woo. on the timeline of uh, a young African-American sister licking ice cream probably butter pecan favorite uh, flavored you know how they like to do um and mm. then the video of somebody using some deodorant and putting it back like what what are we doing guys like are we just like why are you trying to sell your soul that hard for likes like the ice cream thing that was yeah. that was disgusting that that was so try i mean that and deodorant bitch i don't know where the fuck you been Buy the damn deodorant. Deodorant is not that expensive. And they're laughing, and I bet you all here thinking they boss bitches and doing all this other shit. And if you're that much of a boss bitch, then you would already have your own deodorant. And if it's like that, if you forgot or whatever, things happen. You could buy it. Just buy it. But for you to just put it on and put it back on the shelf, that was just so trash. That was just trashy behavior. There's nothing remotely near being a boss bitch. I honestly don't know which is worse. Like, is the I think the ice cream, in my opinion, is is just that's bad. Like, cause now yeah. I went to the grocery store today and I seen some bluebell and I was like, oh man, you know I have to have some ice cream. See? Like, man, it, you Look know? at that. Look yeah, we'll give you some ice cream. I was like, wait a minute, they don't even have plastic covering the thing. Somebody could have licked this, and I wouldn't even know. Like, it's so, just it's. Ridiculous. I think that all the time when it's like certain. Certain things I'm like, how do I like with lipstick? Uh, I inspect the shit out of that lipstick before <laughs> I buy it because because you don't know. And like, even though they do like the labels going across, so that way you could kind of tell. Um, to me, that's still not enough. So I lift up that label to see if the lipstick looks good. If the lipstick looks good, I get it. But that's somebody like me with integrity. There's also been time where I lift up that little sticker and I look and that shit. Has maybe they just watched it on their finger, or they sometimes look like they fucking ate it. I don't know what oh. or why people do this. <laughs> it's, like, it's just frustrating, man. Like it's just so frustrating. Like why can't we just be fucking 
civilized human beings. That's all we're asking. All we're asking. We all got to use these stores. We all have a need for these products. And if I was Bluebell, I'd be so pissed off. I'm surprised they haven't responded and said something yet. You know, because look at that. Look at how you go out to the supermarket today. And now you're second guessing their product. Yeah, those people are trash, man. That's literally just trash. And I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just getting old and that's what kids are doing these days to to get on social media, get their likes and views, but uh electric chair. Like <laughs> It is not funny. Like what they're doing and they're laughing. I'm laughing at you giving them the electric chair. I'm not laughing at what they're doing. And they're out here, they swear they're being cute. Meanwhile, if you actually look on the timeline. If you look at, yeah, people are retweeting or whatever, and I really wish we wouldn't. I think I'm one of those people that did it. Because, like, man, we're giving them that attention that they're looking for. But if you look at the comment section, you know, these girls are getting threats. Like, they're people want to fight them. People want to fight them. So this, the attention that they're actually seeking is not the attention that they were receiving. But with this generation, these youngins like them, and how stupid they look, I feel like all they care about is the attention. They don't care what kind it is. I agree with you 100%. I mean, um, I, I know there was something like maybe about a month ago, this guy, I guess he goes on YouTube and he gets like all these wild tattoos and got stuff on his face and stuff like that. And like he started GoFundMe and basically he was like, yeah, you know, I'm addicted to clout chasing. That's why I got all this ridiculous stuff all over the place. But now that the likes are gone, I can't get a job. So oh. I and I'm just like, bro, why would you do this? Just like with the girl, like there's people that are looking to kick your ass like for doing this nasty stuff. Yeah, I heard already that she has she doesn't have a Twitter or a Facebook. She had an IG and now she's put the IG on private because, of course, Twitter did its thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, what like what are we doing here? The likes is it's it's just ridiculous. Like people will do whatever it takes to blow up and then not be able to capitalize on it at all. Doesn't make sense. Well, the, thing, the, the thing that they're doing, yeah, they're getting a lot of views and likes, but the thing is, is they're not doing anything that's really sustainable and it's not really entertaining. Like, people don't want to sign up to view that type of content. Like, no. I, if you're one of those kids that's out there, you know, singing in public, dancing in public, you know, doing jokes or comedy skits, stuff like that, that stuff can be monetized. If you're just out there being a disgusting bitch, like, <laughs> oh, I felt that. <laughs> like, I'll just go watch a homeless person. Like, get out of here, man. I'm not watching that. I don't want to pay for that content. Yeah, no, they could go. Yes, they could we, go. We universally agree that we're good on that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, you guys ready to move on to, um, I know I was unable, I've been working a lot, wasn't really able to watch uh, the, what, what was it, like the Democratic, what what is it called? I'm the sorry. Debate. Okay, the Democratic debate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you guys roll on this because, I mean, I, I've heard a couple things, but like I said, I've been working a lot like Solomon Northcutt a lot. So didn't really get to catch a lot of it. Um, I know like with the sheer numbers, it was kind of the same as um, the Republican National Convention when Trump won, like he was facing off against a lot of Republicans. Um, whereas on the Democrat side that year it was only 
pretty much two or three people. But what were you guys, uh, some of you guys' uh, hot takes on what happened at the Democratic debate? So I will say it, there's two of them, right? Because there's so many fucking candidates um, where I'm just like, where were y'all uh, two and a half years ago? Where, however long it's been. Because, I mean, they were around, but nobody actually stepped up. But that's neither here nor there at this point. So the first round of debates was very interesting. It was a lot safer. Um, that's when you saw your Beto Rorick, um, and Or was that the second? Yeah, that was the first one. And it was just very, um, in my opinion, just very safe. The only person that really stood out, which is, um, in my opinion, he's a wild card. It's going to be Julian Castro, like, he came out swinging, and he attacked Beto, and they're both El Paso natives, so I feel like that's really why he went there, because he's trying to win over El Paso and win over Texas. Texas is a huge state in the case of elections, so I can see why he took that route. De Blasio, I don't know. Every time De Blasio speaks, I just laugh. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, your own city doesn't really care for you, but... He made a few points in there. He brought up his dad. He got a lot more personal. So I think he just wanted people to see him on the human side. Um, his dad suffered with PTSD and then eventually uh, taking his own life. So those are big, big topics of discussion right now. The other day was actually, um, I don't know if it was like a day per se, but uh, it seemed to be a hot topic as far as suicide awareness. Um, and everybody just talking about that and just being aware of mental illness as a whole. So, I don't know. The first debate was a lot safer. The second debate was fucking crazy. That's where you saw Kamala Harris and a bunch of people that we don't know who they are. That's where you had Biden come out. Um, I felt he played it very safe considering. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many candidates that are just going to. Melt away by the next debate anyway. What what was your thoughts, uh, Marcus? Well, for me, honestly, I didn't watch it. I planned on watching it, but there are 25 motherfuckers running for <laughs> Democratic nominee. I'm like, how yeah. the, like, is, like, could I have ran for this? Like, who who is not running for the president on the Democratic side? Like, I mean, they couldn't get Stephen A. Smith out there to do it? Like, I don't wow. know. Yeah, like, last year, we barely had a handful. Not last year, last election. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, there, there's just, there's too many candidates and there's too many options right now to really, it's hard to pay, I don't want to say it's hard to pay attention, but right now it's just, it's just fluff in a way, where it's just these people, we got to whittle it down to at least like a top five or something. Like, I can't, I can't do 20, because I'm not, they're not getting, they're not going to get enough time to really get whatever their point is out there. And mm -hmm. to really put on a really good enough show. So, I mean, no. it, it, it might not be the best idea, but I'm kind of relying on everybody else to put, you know, to <laughs> put out the best people for me. Oh, yeah. I, I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like people are more on the side of where I'm at, where they're just like, all right, okay, there's 20 people. Let's wait until it's down to like a top 10 or a top five. I feel like most people feel that way. Because there's, I mean, I know I didn't watch it, but I feel like you can look at, you know, the candidates that were out there and you'd be like, all right, I can go ahead and tell you that at least I can, you can point out which ones aren't going to make it. Like we, we kind of already know at this point, like who's not going to, who's not a viable candidate, who's not going to be good enough. Who's not qualified enough. We can already tell that right now. 
So I just need to know, like, show me the qualified people. Because right now, there's still people that aren't qualified to be up there, and they're up there. So once it's once it starts whittling down, I, I'll, I'll for sure be back, and I'm definitely going to be paying attention, like, because I'm an adult, and that's, you know, what you're supposed to do when it oh, comes yeah. to, like, presidential elections and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah, one, completely. One thing, one thing that I have been noticing is how people are, like, kind of tearing down a lot of the candidates or some of the Democratic candidates, like, you know, I'll read, I'll, I'll read like an article that says, oh, uh, Harris is doing a good job. And then everybody just comes in and just tries to slander her and tear, tear her down. The same with Biden, the same with, uh, I think, uh, Bernie Sanders. It's just like, I mean, I get it. You want your person to win. But I just don't like, I don't know if, if you're voting Democrat, right? Mm-hmm. And you're the the person that they nominate. If you think that that person is that bad as a Democratic nominee, are they going to be so bad that you're going to vote for Trump? Like, is that what we're going to do? Because at this point, like, I'll if it's if it's between any of these twenty candidates and voting for Donald Trump, I'm going to vote for whoever wins the Democratic nominee. Like, regardless. Like, oh, that's yeah. that's me. That's so what it's going like, to boil down to. Yeah. So I don't I don't really get the point in putting all the negativity out there to tear down like certain democratic or any of the democratic nominees. If it's just like, Hey, if y'all are really about this, you know, trying to get Trump out of office, like this is not the right way to do it. I don't think. And, and, and I'm not a big politics. I'm not really into politics. Like I follow it, but I'm not like really in it, in it like that. But if you're just putting out all this negativity about all the democratic nominees, that information is going to circle back around when, in you know, if, uh, Harris or Biden wins the nom- nomination, like that information that you put out there, it's going to come back around and you might turn somebody that was on the fence. So I'd, I'd be careful about that. I kind of felt like that's what happened last time. I, I felt like you had so many people that were so mad that Bernie lost. That they were just like, F it. I, I'm not voting for anybody. I'm going to vote for Mountain Dew or right. thousand and the rest of the crazy stuff that they did. And I kind of felt like they they could have done more to ensure that Trump wasn't in office, but they really took the Bernie thing to heart. Um, and, and, you know, like there was just so much negativity negativity surrounding Hillary. Um, I know for myself, I should have been watching. I need to do a better job of watching. I need to stop being a nigga and just focus <laughs> on that. But, Marcus, I do agree with you 110%. Like, there's already groups that are like, okay, Bernie said no to reparations. We don't want him. Biden and his stance on law or whatever and funding prisons. Uh, excuse me. I forgot exactly what it was, but it was something about uh, incarcerating uh, blacks and browns. So people are like, hell no to Biden. Uh, Kamala Harris isn't black enough. So that's another thing that or she's married to a white man or whatever. So there, there's like already groups within the black community that are definitely tearing down the Democratic candidates. And I'm always I'm, I'm almost like, are you guys plants? Like you realize that if you tear them down, Trump will be in again 2020. And that's what we kind of have to try to avoid here. Like, don't make the same mistake twice. Already eating their own is what's happening. Oh, you yeah. have people eating their own and then. 
the thing with the debates right now, what I noticed in those just those first two, and then you can see also on social media, and then like their old individual press conferences following, they're very much doing just like the dog and pony show right now. They're saying the things that you're supposed to say, and it's so blatantly obvious. I mean, the first debate was basically half in Spanish. Um, between Beto talking in Spanish, which yes, he often does, and then Booker blesses cute little face, but no, Spanish is not for you. <laughs> like it was so, but you know, like just all the pandering and and all that, like it's just so obvious, and it's just so um, it's just so fake, man. Like just nobody really spoke deeply about their politics. Nobody talked about a legit plan. Um. And that's what we need to hear. I get it. It's early, but if you want yeah, to have a solid, it, yeah, it's it's early. But right now, all it is is the popularity game, and that's why social media is so important. Because as you were saying, Adolphus, you know, everybody's beating on these candidates. I've read like three different threads today. One was about Kamala Harris um, and her white husband. The other one was about her sleeping her way to the top. The other one was actually. Um, I, I don't want to say concrete, but it was actually just attacking her previous work when she was uh, a DA back in California and things like that. I mean, if you don't agree with what she's done in the past and, and whatnot, cool. I get that. If, that. if you have like a valid reason as to why you don't like this person based off of their work and their work ethic and what the, you think that they might bring if they were to become the, the actual president of the United States, that makes sense to me whether I agree with you or not, but talking about, you know, she slept her way to the top and caring about what color her husband is and all this other bullshit, like, that's, you're just adding to the narrative, and it's not necessary. It's just, it's just gross. I mean, for me, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. Like, don't, I'm not a fan of, like, attacking people's character like that, especially, you know, it's hard enough for professional women to get, uh, you know, respect in the workplace as is. So just just putting that out there is just, I mm-hmm. think it's, it's classless. But I mean, when it comes to like pandering, I mean, it's early. But I mean, I don't I don't mind it. Like pander to me, like what? Don't be that you want my vote, man. Like go out there, you know, do the whole Hillary Clinton. You know, you got hot sauce in the bag or whatever. Like I don't like pander to me. Let me know that you want my black ass vote. So I don't have an issue with that. <laughs> But uh, I will say, like, I feel like people are trying to find, like, the perfect candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's got something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's, there's going to be something. If you look deep enough, there's going to be something about any um, uh, nominee politician that you can find that's going to either offend you or offend, you know, any other party, whether it be minorities or, you know, old people uh, military, like whoever, you know, the gay community, there, there's some, there's something out there that they did in their past that's going to offend somebody. And we're, we're never going to get a perfect candidate, honestly. Like there, there isn't one. You, the way things have been going, I think they're getting better, but the way politics works to get into politics, to really make a, a name for yourself, you, you, you have gotta to be shady. With, you got to rub shoulders with some people that aren't the, the, the classiest or the best people like there's some shady stuff you have to do to get into that world and i feel like it's getting a little bit better to where it's not as you know shady as probably it once was and people are starting to change but we're not going to get a perfect candidate like if you're if you're out here like well 
if they're not they're not perfect enough. They they did this or that. Like they, everybody's got something. So it's it's mostly about like, all right, well, what can I live with? What is not right. going to send this country into the to the trash can or to or to turn this into a dumpster fire? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, we, right. we can't do that. I mean, I yeah, I agree with that because I feel as though with the last election people were taken by surprise. I was. And it was one of those things, I mean, you have sound bites of grabbing women by the you-know-what and all these other things, and there's legit stories that were out there, news articles, lawsuits, all these different things, and the election still came out the way that it came out. Now, if we can deal with that, I mean, I think we can maybe deal with some of the imperfections that the Democratic nominees have. The question is what? Which ones? Mm-hmm. That is definitely the question. I will say, I mean, Bernie, if you can wipe away that student loan debt, you got my vote. Because that that's something that I am definitely all for. Because uh, I do owe quite a bit of racks. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, anyone else want to speak any further on the Democratic debate. Yeah, I'm going to need y'all to watch it, okay, because I feel like I'm doing a book report telling you everything that went down. I'm going to watch it, like I said, I've just been so (laughs) focused on, like, trying to, you know, get some stuff uh, popping, you know, (laughs) financially, so I've just been working, like, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and I've just been killing myself. I haven't had a haircut in Days, weeks, months. Ooh. They only have four people on around the horn. I'm not watching something with ten people. I'm sorry. I can't. That's too many. <laughs> too many. <laughs> like imagine ten people being on this podcast. Like you that would be it. I yeah. hate, I'd turn it off. I'm not listening yeah. to ten people talk over each other and argue. I was gonna say, them. yeah, that, that's the other piece. They're just talking over one another. And not letting each other speak, not listening to the actual commentators, ignoring the buzzes, you know, just bickering back and forth. That's what gave Kamala Harris that shine. And she was talking about, you know, the American people aren't here to watch a food fight. They're here to see how we're going to put food on their tables or something along those lines. And that's what got her, got her the applause. And I was like, yeah, she won. She won that. People like those little sound bites. And then you had a, a re- a, the whole rest of the debate was people just trying to get their sound bite, trying to get their moment with like these pre rehearsed line, one liner, two liners, talking in Spanish, doing all that shit. It was just none of it seemed um, quite sincere, except when Kamala Harris had to yell at them to be fucking adults. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I, 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 I'm starting to warm up to her a little bit. Um... I think I can dig it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like her. I haven't looked into the work that she's done before. There's been a lot of articles and stuff that came out, like, with stats as far as how she, in fact, like, hurt the African-American community back in Oakland um, as far as her work in the DA office and things like that and how she would profile and whatnot. I didn't do too much research, but I've seen a couple that's like, hmm... I don't know. So more more research for me to do, personally, I would say. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to make sure I take my time to look into it as well, because this is a really important election coming up soon. Um, also, something that's really important, 
Um, I will slide it on over to you, El Chapa. Um, we were talking about the uh, Latino fathers and uh, the macho machismo masculinity. <laughs> and apparently, you know, they not just Latino fathers. I think it's a lot of fathers. That That's what I said. Really I think it was say, a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, that don't say I love you. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? That was a hell of a transition, friend. Um, but <laughs> I hope it was on a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a video out, and I can just go ahead and retweet it. Um, I want to say it's from either Me Too or, yeah, Me Too. And they have about like four different father-son duos. And they're just talking and recognizing you know, the relationship that they have with their father and how they there's so much love and admiration and whatnot. However, none of that is ever vocalized. And they also talk about how that affects them as men, affects them growing up, affects them how they are as fathers with their own kids. And so just talking about that, um, my friend, uh, shout out to Archer. He was when I said it to me. I did watch the video like three weeks later, but that's okay. Um, and I went and I just talked to my mom real quick. I was like, hey, you know, I saw this video. It brought me to tears. And I said, you know, I was just talking about Latino fathers and how they don't say I love you. And quickly, like, there was no hesitation. She was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'm just like, shit. And then we were talking about just my uncles and even my own father, how they are, like, they broke that cycle within our family and, and making sure that they're a little bit more affectionate to their kids, especially the boys, so that way they know, you know, their dad loves them and, you know, has that uh, that bond that I guess, you know, they should have. Because these other parents in the videos, I mean, they write a letter to one another, like, to their dad and everything, you know, you see them get choked up and stuff, and the love was always there. That was never the question, but you can tell how there was almost this strain and awkwardness and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this deepness about just how it was never vocalized. So I, I wanted to share that with you guys to see what you thought of that. Because um, I don't think it's just about being Latino fathers. I don't think, I almost think it's general, general generation. Oh, I can't find my words. But yeah, I think it has to do with like, the generations versus, you know, ethnicity. But mm. What do y'all think? I tend to agree with that. I think it's mostly uh, our generation's parents weren't really, like the men weren't really big on that. They were more like, you know, you got to be tough and don't show emotions, stuff like that. And I, I know for me, I'm, I am I try to kind of be the opposite of that with my kids because, like, I, I have boys also, so it's a little bit different as far as, like, you know, you try to, you know, I, I – tell them I love them every day. I try to give them hugs and all that stuff. You know, it, I just, I've never, there's never been a moment where I didn't think my dad loved me. Like I never questioned that before, but there is there. I didn't grow, grow up hearing it a lot from him. And Hmm. I didn't think it made a difference until I actually had kids. So now it's like, Hmm. I say it a lot. Right, I like you're it, making you a know, conscious effort to make sure yeah. that you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say it. A but lot I mean, your dad's a a, a quiet man. A quiet yeah, he man. Is. He is. But I feel like a lot of them, a lot of uh, dads of that you know generation of that ilk are kind of the same way. You know, I 
I mean, it, I don't know if it's good or bad or not. Like, as long as your kids know you love them, like, do you need to say that you love them? Like, I guess that's that's would be, I guess, the question. Yeah. Like, I mean, does hearing it really matter if if they know that you love them? Like, I don't know. I think it matters. Oh yeah. I would. I would only, and I think it's fun. Like you know, it depends on just like the structure of the household, um, because there was there's one father son uh, the old the older ones, and you can see it. And I was like, yeah, I, I've seen, I've witnessed it firsthand. Where it's like, okay, the the dad is the male, he's the breadwinner, he works hard, you know, wakes up, crack of dawn, he's already at work, coming home, sun's already set, you know, like they just work, work, work to provide for the house, and that's all you see them do, and you know that that uh that family time isn't always there so mm-hmm. without having that piece and without hearing it at least you know yeah i think that can definitely change the dynamic of that that family and just how that kid is i know for me uh coming up i don't remember hearing i love you at all from either parent um I know, like, when I got older, my dad, he would say, hey, you know, I love you, son. I'm talking about I was, like, well past grown. <laughs> and I, I know that he does love me, but I, I didn't really hear it, you know. Um, and even my mom, she said the reason why that um, she didn't really do it as much was because they were taught that, if you have a boy, if you love him too much, you're going to make him a weaker boy. And so hmm. it was done as a way to instill the toughness in me. So like, I didn't get a ton of hugs and I love you and you're great or you're doing this or you're doing that or I'm proud. And I do think that it it's something that now I kind of cherish and I kind of like seek out. I mean, I don't have kids yet. But I definitely want some. Uh, if anybody's looking for a baby daddy, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just shooting whatever shot I got left. But I, I do think, like, from an emotional standpoint, I think now, like, I even carry some of that burden into my relationships with people because I need constant reassurance. And I feel like mm. if I got that reassurance as a kid, maybe I wouldn't be like that. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe it's just who I was destined to be anyway, but I need constant reassurance now. Like from the the women that I deal with or friends or something like that. I need to know that you love me, that you feel me. And I I think that that is something that was missing when I was a kid. Um, another thing, my mom was, was in the military. So there was a lot of oh. times where I wouldn't see her, you know, for, for like long amounts of time as, as you know you guys may or may not know mm-hmm. and you know I think that that you know with that and then the okay they don't love me either and I'm in these places I don't want to be I'm constantly getting new friends it was tough and I kind of feel like maybe if you know my father would have let me know that from an earlier age or even like some of the sacrifices that he may or may not have done and I don't want to get too deep in it because I know my dad does listen sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, I, 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 hi, dad. Yeah, hi, dad. <laughs> but I think it's something that you should do to your kids, boys and girls. Just let them know that they're loved. 
Well, yeah, and I, I think it's, it is more, I don't want to say it's more important, but I think it is important to, to do with boys. Cause like you were saying, like, you know, when you have boys and you're, you, you show them affection and emotion, it makes them soft and makes them, you know, weak and all that stuff. And I, I had to catch myself cause I felt like I was doing that with my kids at one point. I mean, my kids are young, like my kids are three and one. And there was a point where I was just like, why am I trying to make my three-year-old a grown man? Like he's three or my one-year-old. Hmm. Why am I trying to toughen up my one-year-old? Like, and, and if you're a parent, if you've been around kids or anything like that, there's a difference between like whining and crying. Like if you're whining, like I'm not, I'm not taking that, like stop whining. Like I don't want to hear that. But if you cry, like if you're sad about something, like if you you know, your mom leaves or you, you scrape your knee or whatever, and you're sad about it, it's okay to cry. And I try to let my kids know that, like, hey, your mom left. I get it. She's your fav- favorite parent. Like, I'm just dad. Like, <laughs> you know, I get it. I get you're you know, you're leaving uh, grandma's house or, you know, your grandparents' house. You want to cry about it. Like, I get it. That's fine. But if it's just like, hey, you can't have a piece of candy and you're going to whine about it, we're not doing that. But, but like like we're saying, it's just like, I don't need to toughen up my, my three-year-old. I don't need to toughen up my one-year-old. Like, not right mm-hmm. now. Like I don't. He needs to. He needs to know that he is loved, and he also needs to know that he can express himself. Or it, it, both of them, they both need to know. Like, hey, if I'm feeling a certain way, it's okay for me to express that because I feel like, and I'm, I'm not like a psychiatrist or anything, but I'm, I'm assuming that if you're one of those kids who wasn't allowed to express yourself as a child, then mm-hmm. it's probably harder for you to do it as an adult. And like Adolph was just saying, it sometimes it can, uh, you know, spill over into your relationships where sometimes there's other issues that you have as an adult that stem from when you were a kid. So I like I don't want that to be. I don't want my kids to have that those issues. You know, not not saying you're, you you guys are messed up or broken or anything, but I I want them to be able to be like, okay, I'm sad. I'm gonna cry about it and and deal with it. You know, because I don't want them to just be like, oh, I can't cry because I'm a boy and I'm a, I need to be a man and I need to put some, you know, chewing tobacco in my mouth and suck it up. Like, Ew. it's, it's okay. <laughs> you so ever been around somebody who dips, man? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that stench is real. I mean, no shade, <laughs> but shade, like, I'm not kissing you. <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> went <Wait a> little <laughs> That was so yeah. I went way left. I mean, but it's like, but like, honestly, like, if you, if you get around a group of guys or whatever, and you like ask them, like, yo, when's the last time you cried? Like a lot of a lot of dudes don't really, they don't really know. Like this, like, oh, when I was a baby or when you know, outside of like, outside of someone dying or someone you know going to jail or something like that, like something something that could happen to where okay, that's that's quote unquote not tough. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain, like if you cry when someone dies, no one's going to say anything about it. But when's the last time you cried listening to a song or watching a movie? You know what I'm saying? Like how often does that happen? How are, are you able to express yourself freely in that way to where you're just not suppressing that stuff? Mm-hmm. I know I cried on uh what's that Netflix movie? Uh, 
Yes, no, maybe or something with Oh, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's good. Oh, it's good. I mean, it's nothing that's gonna make you cry, but like I yeah. like to see when people live, you know, make it happily ever after or something. So yeah. And then I have my own issues, but you know, <laughs> at, at first and at first I would we all got issues teased about being so emotional. But I actually feel like it's a good thing, like because I'm in tune with my emotions. I mean, sometimes I, I wish I could do a better job of holding it together. But you know, hey, if I need to take a quick cry break, I'll go and cry real quick and come back and look like I'm high and go back to work. I'm <laughs> <laughs> all red. I mean, it, it, it's weird, but like every time I watch the notebook, I will cry every time. Oh, at the same spot, beautiful. I will cry at the end of that movie. And I've seen it. I've seen that movie way too many times to, to still be crying about it. But I will. I will cry at that part. Oh man! Oh, Do not put on Selena. Every time I hear "I could fall," oh my gosh! <laughs> or oh, that night when all the world, oh, instant crying, instant crying. I will say, um. I, I don't know. My family was kind of the same way. And even though we're girls, right? So it was a little bit different because my dad was around in and out a lot. And growing up and now being adults when I realized, oh, that's because he was an immigrant. Oh, he was from the yard trying to get his papers and having to do a six months on, six months off game, you know, green card and blah, blah, blah. So he worked his way up. Um, and he had like his business and stuff in DR, so a lot of going back and forth. So I get, I get it now, even though there's other things that came with it. But I'm like, nah, still, <laughs> that's another conversation. Um, oh, yeah. but nonetheless, so I mean, he's he's super affectionate. Like my mom and my dad, in a sense, like, so, like kind of polar opposites. He is super affectionate. He's super. Um, uh, going, my mom is a lot more reserved, but she's cool as shit. Uh, you just got to, you know, be around her a little bit to see that side in a sense, because she's not, you know, in your face outgoing. Um, and the same thing with like our hugs. We laugh about our fake hugs that we give each other, which is like a side one arm tap on the back. <laughs> and so we call it the mommy hug. And uh, but it's even with that, Brissa, if you go, my dad will bear hug this shit out of you. Um, and then when you think of my grandma, my grandma is very not affectionate. She's like polar opposite of it. My grandpa is the same way. They're very old school. They seem very stern, even though they love you and you know it and, you know, you'll talk and they'll show that in other ways of how just how they treat you. Um, but just doing, okay, okay, you know, bendición, love you when you're saying bye. And you go, me too. That's what you get once. I really remember she said, I love you too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I knew it was the favorite. You know, I'm super excited because that's just how, that's just how it is. And my mom said, she's like, man, I don't remember when last time she said, you know, I love you like fully bluntly either. So that's why I also think maybe it's not even just a gender thing because in my family, we experienced it and we're girls. I was raised predominantly with my mom and my older sister. And there's a lot of ways that we're very tough and very cold as a defense mechanism. I, I can acknowledge that. Um, so and it's weird. It's different. 
It's different. So when I see that video, um, maybe emotion, I'm like, yeah, it makes perfect sense because I see it. But at the same time, like, yeah, I kind of feel like we went through a little version of that ourselves, even though we're all women. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. That was well That's my said. two cents. That was well said. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks, friend. Now let me wipe the tears from my face. Shit, I know, right? Like, I just feel this heaviness right now. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I, I do kind of want to... that topic. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I kind of want to segue into the next and uh, final chapter for tonight. Um, as everybody knows, it is Pride Month. Um, Happy Pride! Yes. And, and mm -mm. so... For the longest time, being where I was, uh, where I had come from, uh, Mississippi, um, uh -oh. it actually took me a long time to kind of be a part uh, as an ally okay. of, you know, everything. And I remember when it, like, what finally turned the corner for me, there was this guy um, that I met and he was different from, you know, the stereotypical homosexual guy. Like, he was actually really cool. Uh, women loved him. He's, like, super attractive. Pause, no homo. They always are. Yes, he's tall. He's, like, 6'3", muscular build. He's funny, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, like, I remember I used to hang out with him, like, outside of work. He was just a cool dude. And I remember the girls, they would come back and be like, oh, you know what? Dolphin spent the night with Anthony and he was over his house and stuff like this. And then it was, I had AIDS and all this stuff. Oh my you know, gosh. Like, what in the world? Like, all I did was, I think I gave him a ride one day. We were trying to negotiate. Um, I was trying to sell him a car that South Breeze sold me. So I ended up selling him the car. And I remember we had like some pretty intricate conversations just about stereotypes and different things like that and, and breaking down the barriers and i was like wow you know this dude is unlike any other homosexual guy that i've ever met like he just you know was cool and, and not to say none of them are none, none of them are cool but i know a lot of like with the stereotypes you get the the black gays male are flaming and they're really messy and stuff like that. And he was just really about his business. Started to change, to turn a corner. And then I, um, I had a cousin who we always knew he was a little special. You know, he was different. Like the, the boys, we go out and we play together. He'd always sit back with the girls and gossip and stuff like that. And so we kind of always knew something was there, but you know, who knows? And I'm not going to say how it all came out with him. But one night I was in Atlanta, uh, the gay black Mecca. And, you know, we, we linked up, we met and we just talked because I was trying to figure out, you know, at what point did you know that you were gay? Which I'm so sorry. He's actually bisexual. So at what point did you know you were bisexual? Because like, I heard rumors and different stuff like that. And I mean, just to hear him and the way that he talked, and I'm like, look, this is a person that I love. This is my cousin, you know, my, my younger cousin, two years younger than me. Everybody always thought we were brothers. And I was like, how can I harbor such hateful feelings as a black man towards another group of people when I have family members that are in that 
circle, you know. So just having that conversation with uh, Anthony and my cousin Maurice, and I'm sorry, Maurice, if if anybody in the family listens and they don't know you're gay, I've they've been living under a rock. So you I could probably- easily add this. It's okay. We could easily edit this. Yeah, like, but it's cool. It's cool. Do it he, like he, that. We know he's gay, but. It's like oh it took that much of a conversation. I, I had to really look at myself like before I was a bigot, you know, mm. I was prejudiced against the people and I was wrong for that. So um, shout out to both of them because they did actually heal me. Like I said, my train of thought is I have a few gay people in the family. There's another person that's gay in the family. I'm not going to say anything because I know he's not out. Like Ooh, he came to me don't and, even and, don't even bring that up because now people are gonna listen. They're gonna now your dad's gonna go back and no. Well, forget it. I mean, the, this guy he came out to me and Maurice, and it's cool. You know, we accept you, we love you, and so now I'm an ally, and I will get off the floor and give it to y'all. <laughs> well, I, I think that stuff is important. I think the main thing that you know, I guess the straights can do is uh. Is have that have those conversations, you know what I'm saying? Because like Adolphus was, I, I I was I wasn't open to the idea of like gay people just being out here living life, you know what I'm saying? Like I was not here, you know, trying to fight them or anything like that. But you know, I was just like, nah, man, you shouldn't be doing that. But as you get older, you 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 have more uh, experiences as an adult, and honestly, it's just about talking to them and meeting them because that's what happened with me. I, I had a job. I, one of my coworkers was gay. I we talked. At, at, it was like a summer job, so I sp- pretty much spent the summer with this dude and like just getting to know him. And I'm just like, I mean, this dude is gay, but he's just a dude, man. Like he's a guy, and he just happens to like other dudes, and that's it. There's nothing different between me and him. Like we're both human. We both like you know food, we like sports. He just likes dudes, and that's the only difference. And I mean, what what and and what does it matter to me? Like, why should I care? I don't care because I like girls. So if anything, that's one less guy I got to worry about. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so like, yeah, it, less competition. Take him yeah, out. I feel like a lot of people that you know um, have an issue with with homosexuals or anybody of that nature is because they've never encountered one. Like, if you're if you're someone that's homophobic you're pretty close to probably being racist too. Like it, th- those two for me at this point kind of go hand in hand. Like if hmm. you don't like someone based on who they sleep with, then you probably don't like my black ass either. So, I mean, and that probably, <laughs> that, that comes from a lack of understanding, a lack of education, you, you know, you know, being misled by, you know, the media and how, how gay people are portrayed. Like he just, they're, they're honestly, they're just people, man. Like legit, they're just people. And once we start to realize that, we'll understand that, like, yo, all this, all these things that we're doing to, like, prevent them from just living their life is just stupid. It literally makes no sense. None. They're just out here. They're literally just out here trying to live their life, man. That's Ain't nobody gives a fuck about who you're fucking, so why should you care about mine? Like, they don't care that you're, you're a man sleeping with a woman, so why are you giving them so much shit because they're a man wanting to sleep with a man or in love with a man or whatever? Like, stop. Yeah. It really, I mean, Ooh, it really, just get it really over yourselves. It doesn't matter. Like, just, and it's just like, oh, okay, so that person's gay, so now what? How does that affect your life? It exactly. Doesn't. 
And like, it literally means nothing to you. It doesn't have any effect on your life. And, it doesn't. And it, it's, I mean, I, obviously we had already planned on talking about this, but I just saw on uh, on Twitter that uh, Lil Nas X, he's gay. There you go. On, on Instagram, like, I didn't know that. Good yeah, for him. Good. But like, but even then, like, it's just like you listen to his music and you're like, yo, this kid makes dope ass music. Like, I don't, I don't want to say he makes dope ass music, but he makes catchy. If I was if I was a teenager, I would love his music because I mean, yeah, I listen, I listen to his album. That shit's catchy. I get it. It's not. He didn't make a bad album. Like the album was solid. Like I get it. But the fact that he is gay shouldn't. That doesn't change any of that. That doesn't change how good his music is. That doesn't change. You know. Uh, does that make Old Town Road less of a fun song? Like, no, that song still goes. But he yeah. likes dudes. So whatever. Like, okay. Good for you. I don't get why people make it seem like if you're gay, bi, trans, whatever, like they have to come out. No. Like, the whole coming out, number one, that's up to that individual. But number two, like, why does it have to be a thing? Like, I, think still, just I think it's still new, honestly. That's, I, I think I, that's so crazy, and you know, I, and I get it. I grew up like I grew up going to the village on the weekends and going. You know what I mean? So to me, this culture, this way of living, is whatever you want to fucking call it. These are just people to me. Like that's how I look at it. These are just people. It's I don't care what you do in your bedroom or who you love. I don't care. I think in the like, you know, in a generation or two. It'll be a thing where people don't have to make an announcement like, hey, I'm gay or hey, I'm bi. I hope not. Because it's not fair. You don't make you don't make people make announcements because they're straight. I mean, like, it, I'm it, not out here making announcements. Hey, guys, I just want to let you know <laughs> I like dick. It's, so it's, it's, like, it's, it's not cares. it's not fair, but we're still living in an age where people will get killed for being gay. Like, yeah. that's still a thing that happens. So oh, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, and that's the piece that I don't like. That's why I love Pride, uh, Pride Month so much. And I love how it's growing. I, um, you know, we talked about this last year about how they had it in, in these bigger cities and, you know, it going to like a red state like Texas and whatnot. Let me tell you, I'm out here in West Texas. And I went yesterday with a group of my girls and we went out for Pride. There was a nice festival downtown. Um, and this area is very Bible thumping. I mean, you would never think that they would even allow that. They're just now allowing a Hooters to be, uh, a, a, well, Hooters was built like a year or so ago, but that was a whole <laughs> big thing. Yeah. So, um, so I say that because, you know, I think that just goes to show how people are more accepting these days and, you know, love is love and people, it's just, it was really exciting to be able to just express that. Um, I post like on my snap all these pictures, you know, of course, with me and my rainbow stickers and everything, and you know, blast, you know, got people, oh, are you gay now? Are you gay now? Like, I got asked that like five times. No, no, I'm not. But why is it just because, you know, I'm out here celebrating? It doesn't mean that I am or I'm not, and I'm not ashamed if I was or whatever. It's just like people are just out loving and celebrating love. That's all we're doing. So, hmm. And then there's more. I obviously don't have as deep of a connection as maybe some other people would, which is fine too. Well, yeah. Mm. Love each other, babies. Yes, I'm, oh I'm glad God. that everybody is able to uh, grow and move forward and have open minds about different things. Like I said, I feel like 
I was saved. Go ahead. Fine. That's actually really cool, friend. I'm glad you were able um, to have that experience and be able to talk about it. Oh, yes. And it changed my whole outlook on things. Um, and so I'm good to go going forward. <laughs> uh, speaking of going forward, anybody else has anything they want to get off their chest before we wrap it on up for the night? Whew, I got to quick wind it out. It's been a while, but this one is important. Are y'all ready? All right. All right. So this week's wine, I'm drinking. It's hot these days, so I'm going with the white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. This is from, it's with a V. I think it's called Veneta. Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it be. It's actually pretty good. Uh, very refreshing, very crisp. Anyway, point of the matter is we have uh, a tweet that was put out. Her name is Monique O'Madden. I think she's like a journalist or something, but she was out at a rally. Um, and you see there's, you know, there's a very heavy immigration population in Miami, as we all know. And um, there's this 14-year-old girl. Her name apparently is Leah, and she's she was approaching Bernie Sanders and, you know, after the debates and everything like that. And she's just talking about how difficult it is to live her life in fear because her parents are both undocumented. And so she's just worried that they could be deported um, with the rates that are coming in Miami and such like that. So initially you're like, oh, OK, you know, cool on this Monique chick bringing shedding light to you know, the families that are suffering and the families that are just dealing with this whole immigration deal and everything that's happening with the reform and just how difficult it is. But then you look at the clip and you look at the video and she is clearly baiting this young lady to give out her name, trying to get her folded, asking for her last name, asking for like where she is in Miami and things like that. Um, you know, she's 14. Like she's putting out quite a bit of, this is an underage girl. First of all, you're bombarding her with questions. And cameras. Now I get it. She's there at a rally. She's there to talk to Bernie Sanders. So this girl must know this is going to come with some type of attention that she needs because she's trying to share, you know, her story and her, share her story that's happening over there um, in regards to her parents to being worried. But you have this reporter baiting her, trying to get us information, which is very easy for ICE to go and, and just grab them, grab them up. So she's expressing like this girl's crying about her family and being scared. And then you're trying to get all this information, which is easily going to be on the internet. Obviously, she put it on the internet. I saw it on Twitter. And this is easy. This is just bait. This is like, here you go, Ice. Go get these parents over here. So all I got to say is, fuck you, Monique. Um, and shame on you. That is disgusting behavior. If you want to do that kind of work, go work for Ice. Go put out an application. I'm sure they are hiring and go into law enforcement or whatever it is that you need to do if, if you're that concerned about it. But honestly, that's not your place. And it's none of your business to go out there and put out that young girl's family information for, for what? For what? What was your motive there, bitch? Just want to be an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it seemed, it seemed like it would be cool. She's out there just sharing, you know, hey... Give that little girl that platform that she needs, um, which would have been nice. She should have just stopped it there. But baiting her personal information like that, that's not cool. That's not cool with me. So, and that's my wine. That's my wine for the week. I hope that lasts a while. <laughs> All right, now. Well, hey, uh, Marcus just left the building. Uh, we're going to close up shop. Uh, thank you all for tuning in as usual. 
And we will uh, holler at you the next time. One love. Mm-hmm. <laughs>